Saxon Holt is one of maybe about a dozen award-winning garden photographers who really knows about plants. His work has appeared in scores of publications. He's located in California, which makes him in a place with rich garden locations, but also years of drought. Gardening in California's summer dry climate has taught him to respect the native landscape, the value of adapted plants, and the value of photography to promote successful gardening. We'll have a link to his summer-dry.com website, which provides a photo database of plants to inspire gardeners in similar climates. At photobotanic.com, he has developed a garden picture resource for stock photos, tips on garden photography, and a self-publishing platform. His first ebook, Good Garden Photography, from the four-part series, The Photobotanic Garden Photography Workshop, was recently recognized with a Publisher's Award from the Garden Writers Association. I want to hear about this award-winning project, Gardening in a Dry Climate, and more. Saxon, welcome to Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Oh, Ken, well, it's delightful to be with you. Well, first of all, congratulations <laughs> on your award. <laughs> well, thank you. It was really quite unexpected, to tell you the truth. Really? Well, uh, remind us, what is an e-book? Well, an e-book is a, a, a book, but it's delivered through the internet. It's not paper. It's not uh, what I call a dead tree book. It's not, you know, it's not, you cannot order it from a bookstore. Um, it's delivered through the internet. And, and some, some internet products, e-books, you only can read on the internet. Um, others you can download. And mine, you can download. They're in sort of a PDF format. So once you, you, you purchase it, it comes to your computer. And it's, but you can only read it on a computer unless if you wanted to print it out, you could, but <laughs> it but wouldn't look that it. good. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. Especially mine. Mine, mine. What's a little different about what I'm doing is because they're so uh, full of pictures, it's it really has to be looked at on a, on a on a screen. You, you wouldn't want to print it at all. It's uh, it, it looks much much better on a screen. In fact, that's part of my my inspiration to do eBooks. Is I think photographs look wonderful on a computer or on a tablet or anything that has yeah. black light. They tend to glow. So it's, it's sort of fun to explore that venue. Uh, and this is the first book of a four-part series. Of, this is Good Garden Photography and the other books to come, Think Like a Camera, Think Like a Gardener, Camera and Computer. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about this first book. You know, I want to ask you about the rule of thirds. <laughs> do you think that's important? <laughs> I, I honestly, I really do. You know, I. Um, well, tell me what it is first of all. It's uh, the rule of thirds is a, a composition technique where you divide your your composition, your frame, into three parts, um, and you can it can work whether it's a, a horizontal, vertical, or even a square, but it's based on somehow some classic uh, artistic uh, theory of, of harmony. And when you divide something into three, it looks balanced. And so if you can look at a, a photograph, I, uh, I shoot with a um, uh, 35 millimeter uh, uh, vertical or horizontal format. Mm -hmm. And so it can be divided into thirds in, in a way that is very pleasing. I, I, I read about it when I was re researching a little bit for the book about what this rule of thirds is. Every source I came up with didn't have a, a scientific ex explanation, but, but all talked about the harmonious balance 
that dividing something into thirds uh, creates, and it, it really works. I, I know when I have been stymied sometimes looking at a, a, photo, a scene, trying to photograph it, and wondering how to find the best composition, now I almost automatically go to thirds. I look for putting a horizon line in the upper third or the bottom third or, or a tree, a vertical shape um, on the left third or the right third or something to help divide the composition into parts. Um, and I think it works. I've, in the book, I talk about, it, even in a more complicated way, dividing shapes and colors into thirds. If you have a group of uh, a garden composition of, of plants, for instance, and they're a mix of various shapes and textures and colors, if you can find three uh, sets to work with and uh, in, in make a composition that balances those three shapes or colors or textures into thirds, somehow it magically becomes an interesting, balanced, pleasing composition. So you get, you get I, ideally, you get used to this enough that you don't actually stop. Oh, well, you said to get out of a difficult situation, you might look for the thirds, but does it sort of, is it sort of subconscious almost? Is it? Uh, yeah, know? it definitely becomes. I think the more, the more uh, we, you're, you're a good photographer yourself, you know this, the more we look at a garden, the more we use our camera, the more natural it becomes. We don't think about sometimes what we're seeing. It just becomes natural um and but it is something you can you can teach i think when i give workshops and i i, I, I expose people to the rule of thirds they, they they get it and it doesn't become automatic until you do it over and over and over but it does become subconscious after a while one owns you know we all hope as photographers we have our own style and it's it's really a subconscious thing of from years of of of, of working with the camera and and it also speaks to the the third book in the series is called Think Like a Gardener, and, it, and in that book, I, I, I'm trying to encourage uh, garden photographers to think like a gardener themselves. My, my audience is, is gardeners. I'm not you know, a, a high-end landscape commercial photographer. I'm a gardener mm-hmm. myself, so I, I, and I want gardeners to have success, but I also want them to have their own style and not try to mimic you or me or anyone else, they say. I mean, we, we can... We, we can be inspirations, but for them to be successful, they have to have their own style, and if they they can unleash that by thinking like a gardener and using their own their own understanding of a garden, whether they like you know uh, plant colors or they like hardscape or they like the uh, leading lines or they like to um, use plant vignettes, whatever floats their boat, you know that's what a a how a photographer develops their style, and so I think that's really important um, to to, to teaching people how to how to get better with their own work. So that makes me think that you want people to take a lot of pictures. Well, they, yeah, <laughs> practice makes perfect, and and uh, you have to take lots of pictures um, to, to to find out what works for you. And that's you know that's that's part of that problem these days of of the computer world is taking lots of pictures means you have to load them into your computer to look at them and really decide which ones you really like. But um, but you can one can pretty quickly eliminate. What you don't like, I, I I try to edit in camera. I try not to take a picture if I don't think it's going to work. I mean, mm. you know, it, it, it's the old garbage in, garbage out. You don't take a picture hoping you can rescue it later. Um, you, you work the scene. If you take a picture and it's not quite right, uh, you you work it. Um, as a it's, it's one of the advantages I have as a professional is that's my job to work it. The um, the sometimes the the amateur or the or the tour guide or, or a writer even doesn't have time 
to work the scene. They, mm. they, 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 take, they take the first picture they can get and then um, hope they can make something of it later, whereas the, um, you know, the professional spends more time with it, thinking a little harder about what's going to work. Well, you've written in, in your ebook, Snapshots are grab shots. They only document a first impression, which may well be wonderful, but they seldom illustrate a photographer's style or tell a specific story. Make sure your viewer sees what you see. So that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's, you, you have to, you know, it's, 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 it's easy, especially if you're in a, a wonderful garden, you know, especially as a, as a visitor, a tourist, you're, 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 or even, you know, professionally, I get into a wonderful garden, and sometimes you can be overwhelmed. Say, wow, what a beautiful place. Um, it'll be easy to take a picture. You just sort of grab something. You start taking pictures. And that's, you need to do that initially, just to grab something and, and, and start getting acquainted with the garden. But, but those are really all just grab shots. They really mm-hmm. don't, they, they're not anything special. It takes some time to, to think about what you're seeing and what, what it is that really is exciting you. If you look at a beautiful garden and, and you don't really know quite what it is, as you think about it, you say, oh, it's that, it's that flowering tree over there. Oh, or boy, look how red that tomato is on the, on the, on the, the vegetable garden, or, or whatever it is that really has, speaks to you as the, as the gardener, as the photographer, that's what you need to, to work on. That's what you need to get closer to and, 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 and work on a composition that fills, fills your frames exactly what it is you want to communicate. Well, as you're saying this, I'm thinking of how so many people go to a garden and get out their point-and-shoot or get out their camera, their phone, and they, yeah. t- they take so many pictures, and they don't, they forget to be there. You know, they forget that right. they're in a place, and the camera, or any form of a camera, is a, it becomes between the, the photographer or the person and the garden you know it, it really in, to me it ruins the experience and what you're talking about of really looking and looking and looking uh, yeah, the camera yeah. can be a way to bring you closer to the garden well it, absolutely it's also why I strongly advocate for tripods I mean it's, it's really hard when you're uh, touring a garden and you're have a, have a quick visit but but when you taking the photography seriously or taking a class and you really want to study the garden, the tripod really forces you to do that. It certainly slows you down. Mm-hmm. I know when I have workshops and I ask people to bring a tripod, you know, half the people give up on it or they, 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 they really are frustrated with it, and it's, you know, it's frustrating for me to, to see that. But I think in all seriousness, when, when you really want to get into a garden, and for my work as a professional, stopping with a tripod, stopping in an area that you know there's something really special there, there there's a you know, professional grade photo to be had you have to for me anyway i have to stop with the tripod and look through the camera and compose in the in the frame of the camera and zoom in or zoom out or move left or right that sometimes uh looking at a garden you realize uh a tree is in in the mid-ground is is blocking you know the view of a path in the distance and and moving yourself literally 12 inches one way or another reveals a composition that 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 you brain saw because you saw the path in the distance but the camera didn't see it and so you by forcing yourself to stop and, and admire and enjoy the garden uh, the photography gets much much better that way it is it's frustrating to use a tripod and it's not you know very unlikely you can use it when you're on a tour yeah but, but um but if you have a t- 
time, I think it really helps you study what you're seeing. And right, and start in your own garden where you have lots of time and where you can go out when the light is just right, uh, early right, in the morning right. or late in the afternoon or on an overcast day if you're lucky enough to get that. Uh, and you're talking about looking like this. Sometimes you look through the tripod and realize there's telephone wires. You didn't even see them. <laughs> oh, yeah, and absolutely. And the, the other thing that I was thinking as you were speaking about this you know, we're, t we're looking at something in three dimensions, and we're looking at something moving, and then we freeze it and make it two-dimensional. And that depth is lost, and sometimes something that looks so deep and rich becomes kind of like a salad, you know. <laughs> it doesn't really have that depth, but yeah. of course there's ways to make that happen, which you go in into in, in your ebook. And I want to ask you about a couple of, well, lesson five and lesson six, provocation and intrigue and telling stories. So what do you mean by provocation and in intrigue? Well, that's, that's uh, part of what a, a, a good garden does to start with. It, it provokes you to, to admire it, and, and it's intriguing. Um, and it, 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 so I think as a photographer, we should try to capture some of that. Um, and and it's, it's, it goes to where I was talking earlier with, uh, thinking like a gardener and developing your own style. Um, when you when you look at a garden and you say, "Wow, I really that that speaks to me. It provokes me in some way." Um, then 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 look on that. You know, look at what it is that's that's intriguing you. Um, and I think that's I think part of that is also allowing or asking the photographer to be a little adventuresome, perhaps in, in the composition. You know, provoke your audience too. You know, try to find a, an angle that's a little bit uh, unusual or, uh, or, or, or makes people wonder. You, you want people to look at your picture, um, and you, wanna, you, you hope they look at your picture. And it's, it's, it's hard in this day and age with instant social media and, and, and photos whizzing by us all the time. Mm -hmm. But, but as, a, uh, as a photographer, you, you hope to, to capture them to look at your photograph long enough long enough to be intrigued by what you're showing them. Can, can you give an example of a photo that you, you've taken that has that kind of feeling and intrigue? Well, the, what I, I work with a lot is, is light in the garden. Um, I, I, especially in California where we, we often are, you know, we photographers are challenged by really hot light. Mm. Um, and and it's, it makes, you know, shooting in hot light is really tough with the garden photography because it makes things, as you know, very contrasty and, 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 and not interesting. So but I've tried to work with the light now. I'm very intrigued by how light can enliven a photograph. Um, I've learned to use very early in the day or very late in the day when, the, when, it, when it is a sunny day, if the sun is still low in the sky, the, um, you can get side light on, on buildings or, or, or foliage. You can get backlight through leaves. And um, so it, and it becomes very intriguing when you see a, a ball of light in the photograph, um, it's, it, it makes, you, makes you want to look. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, it does technically when you have a ball of light, a bright light in the background, it's, technically it's overexposed. There's no detail. There's, no, there's nothing there in, in, the, in the image, but it, is, it becomes just a, a shape. It becomes light, and I just find that really intriguing um, to work with. I'm doing it. More and more. I have a whole section about in my um, in, the, in the website Photo Botanic. I have a whole section in my learning center about light. Um, it's one of my ongoing projects for a 
since the ebook is about light in the garden and how to how it and it's, it's another reason it really works well with the the electronic versions because it, uh, light it, it's all about light and you right, a, right. a tablet or a computer so it's but I find that that's a intriguing and provocative um, uh, idea to look at when you're as, as a photographer and what I would ask you know my workshop students to look at uh, again. Uh, Assume your audience is going to look at your picture um, for more than a quick second, because you are a photographer. You know you're presenting this particular image as a photographer, um, and you hope it's there's something to grab their attention to make them look at it and say, well, why did why did he or she compose it this way? Um, there's something there's some story in there, and that that's, again it leads to the part about telling the story. There, there's something in the picture that is more than just you know a, a but there's something there that's a message in it, and that's, you know, you want to intrigue your audience. Grab and hold their attention. Yeah, and, and hold, right. It should be something, yeah, and hold their attention long enough to, to, to see the picture and to wonder why was it composed this way? What's, what is this picture about? It's not just about a, a, a pretty scene. Um, there's something in this, in this garden picture that, that the photographer you know, saw and, mm -hmm. and what, what is it? Um, well, you're in California and you're shooting gardens and I can't imagine now you're in the fourth year of drought. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> Terribly sorry. <laughs> and where I am here, we don't even water the lawn. We, people don't even know what irrigation is because, Oh, I know. Yes. And we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's almost a, it's like a rainforest really. We get about an inch a week until August, and <laughs> and it's and now we're in 90 degrees with no water. So I, I but I I can't complain <laughs> because you no, have that don't. situation. <laughs> yeah. um, is it how is it affecting you? You don't have a lot of time. If you can just tell, give us an update. Well, it's it's affecting me personally as a, as a gardener. You know, mm -hmm. I, I've cut back. For four years in a row, every every alert, I, I cut back my own garden, the watering, um, and so I've got to the point now in the fourth year, I've, I've I'm losing plants. I, I can't. We're in mandatory rationing. Uh, I can't, in good conscience, keep the same amount. Of, even though I've been cutting back for years, uh, I have to cut back again, and I'm, I'm losing plants um, and for my own gardening. So I'm not planting anything for the past year. I just don't want to take on that responsibility. Um, but I, I think it's important that we do water. I, I, I have a, uh, another project called the Summer Dry Project where I advocate good planting techniques for, for gardeners. And I think gardeners need to understand that we are important. Gardens are important to keep the soil alive. They, we need to have a habitat for the critters. We can't just totally give up on gardening. Um, and so I, I think it's important that we, we, we be smart about it. Um, I, I, I get tired of... of People saying, you know, we need drought-tolerant plants. Mm. The, um, we, we do need drought-tolerant plants, but I think drought-tolerant is an irrelevant term. I, I think really all plants are drought-tolerant. You just need to match them to the right climate. Um, here in California, the our, our summers are not drought. They're, it's normal. It's not supposed to rain in the summer. Right. The problem we're having is no rain in the winter. Um, so it's, it's, we, you know, the water table is low. The plants are suffering, and um, it's, it's really affecting you know, the look of not just my garden, obviously, but when I, you know, there, there are fewer gardens that look great anymore, and at least this time of year. And the spring is easy, but now it's, it's you know, late summer, and, um, 
in one regard, we need to embrace that aesthetic here that is supposed to look sort of brown in, in the summer. It's like a dormant season back east. You know, you, don't ex you shouldn't expect it to be uh, at its peak of beauty. Um, so that's, that's you know, it's sort of part of my job, really, as a photographer to, to show that what we have now is not, is not necessarily ugly. It's just a different aesthetic. Um, but it's, it is tough. It's, it's, it's so dry um, that, that really plants, are, plants are dying, garden plants are dying. Even some of the native uh, vegetation is, is suffering. And so it's, it's a tough, tough call. Are there some plants, even though we we don't like drought tolerant as a phrase, uh, but what what are some of the plants that have really stood up to this? Or probably they're the plants that have gone through drought through for hundreds of years, you know, periods of drought, which, as you say, is kind of normal. Yeah, well, some of the native plants, you know, the native plants. Uh, I'm increasingly uh, attracted to natives in my own garden and and the type of gardens that I look to photograph. I really like natives. I want uh, folks to use them more, uh, more often, more aesthetically in, in pleasing manners. So I, I really look to the natives and see which ones are, are, are doing, you know, surviving. Like you say, they, they've gone through uh, ecological time adapting to, to dry summers. Um, it's typical if you look at like redwood trees. Redwoods are native here, and and or any tree, you, you can look at them over time. The tree rings, you can tell when there were periods of drought. Mm -hmm. The tree rings are very small and. The same is true with uh, a lot of the plants. They, they, they dry up. Um, they look bad, but they'll respond. I, uh, grasses, for instance, I'm really fond of grasses, and I, you, 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 they look like they're dead now. They, they, <laughs> they've dried up, but as soon as the water starts, they'll perk up. Um, this year they look worse than ever because yeah. it's drier than ever, but I'm, but I'm sure they will, they will perk up. Um, native shrubs, I, gosh, I, I, I've become really... Uh, I'm noticing them, styrax, some wonderful native styrax that are great. Um, we, we know about things like Cetonothus and Arctostaphylus here that are that are common, um, but there are some of the deciduous shrubs. The styrax is, is wonderful, and they they, they survive. They they, they 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 they're adapted to dry soil. They expect it to be dry in the summer. Um, just like in the east, it gets bitter cold. It doesn't kill the trees. You know, they expect it to be cold, and that's just what they're what they're adapted to well and cold is drought in a way because they can't take up water and that's really what dormancy well, is exactly, kind of about that's exactly right it's dormancy it's what is the plant's natural period of dormancy in fact some plants uh if you, if you try to break their dormancy too early you, you'll kill them um, and if we water plants some I, i've killed fremonte dinner for instance i've, I've killed at least three of them by watering them in the summer. It is just it, plants do not want, you know, they, they're, they're adapted to that. They want to be dormant. Um, it, it's a time of rest for them. If they, they're growing all the time, they grow too much. They, they're not healthy. Um, so you have to need to honor that dormancy. And, and here, it's a, it's a different season of dormancy, but it's it's important for the plants, and I think it's important for gardeners to accept that. Um, it's frustrating that. So much of our garden imagery, uh, as much as I love your work, you concentrate on the East Coast. And the wonderful work you do inspires gardeners here, unfortunately, sometimes to, to mimic a, a style that needs more water. Uh, as you say, you're almost in a, in a jungle in the East Coast. So mm. it's, um, it's important that we, we honor what our local climate is giving us. Yeah, I, I always say brown's a color, too. It is golden. Just a golden. Go gold, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, in in your ebook, you wrote something that I want to read right now, which is 
Hunting for photos is one of the great joys of garden photography, involving wow. the distillation of a grand garden experience down to images that tell a story of how the garden makes you, the photographer, feel. When your photos tell stories, when they reveal not just the garden, but what you have to say about it, they are good photos. And that's a, I think that really sums it up. And it's, oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Sometimes... I was just going to say, sometimes it's a it's a photograph of a single blossom that that really communicates how it felt to be in that place. Yeah, and that's it's, it's really distilling it down to that single feeling you had is what's that's a joy to to get to that point. My guest has been Saxon Holt, and we've been talking about a few things: the ebook, uh, good garden photography, and I want to thank you so much for being our guest today. Oh, Ken, it's a lot to do with you. I'll always join a conversation with you. Thank you. You're welcome. Join me again next week for another edition of Ken Drew's Real Dirt.